Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm Kitty Pride calling Judder not a dickhead. Your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and I'm joined by... It's the juggernaut pejorative, Adam Sass. <laughs> Adam, I'm so glad that you're here for one of the not-so-great X-Men movies to co-host with me. Yeah, the first movie where, um, first of the X-Men movies where people started looking at each other and going, ooh, maybe this series won't go good places. <laughs> maybe it's possible. Um, so we are joined by uh, fab- three fabulous guests here. We have got uh, cinematic de-aging expert... It's Jay Jordan. <laughs> Woo! And then we have got Dark Phoenix's Stolen Valor. I'm Devin Maloney. Finally, last but not least, Hank McCoy's Clogged Shower Drain. It's Brandon P. Snyder. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Um, Devin, this is your first time on the podcast in a while. I'm so glad that you came back. Yeah, me too. The subject matter is uh, near and dear to my heart, so... <laughs> And Brandon, it's nice to have you again. And Jay, it's so nice to have you here as a first-time guest for this um, wonderful film. I'm so happy that the school reopened just for this. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me back. So um, do any of you remember, like, your experience seeing this in the theaters? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's, I okay. do. Yeah. We, here we go. Go, Jay. One hundred percent remember seeing it, and I remember seeing it in two thousand and six. So I was in. The, I mean, I guess since if industry is listening, I can still play a teenager on Riverdale. But I was done with <laughs> high school. I just got done with high school, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be the final arc." I was like, "I loved X two so much. There's so much that we're gonna build from. I can't wait for. I can't wait to see how Scott deals with the fact that Gene is the Dark Phoenix. This entire movie, when he's in all of it, I can't wait to see him, even at the beginning, middle, <laughs> and end of this movie." Uh, and so, (laughs) this setup, (laughs) you you can understand my uh, much to my chagrin, uh, very very early. I want to say about first first ten minutes in the film, you realize that he skipped teaching a danger room session, (laughs) and and that's how we get that he's brooding. And Professor X explicitly states that Scott's a changed man. And then he goes and um, optic blasts some water. And then he is killed by Jean. And even that is handled off camera. Like she bubbles his skin from the inside. It's, it's the worst way to handle the death. And it also was the first time I was like, oh, so the studios care about money. Okay. <laughs> they had half a union day to shoot that. Oh, my God. Yeah. They had like, they, he was like, I'm gone at lunch. <laughs> he was like, I'm still working on this Corny Collins choreography, you guys. So. <laughs> um, Devin, do you remember seeing it in theaters? Oh my God. Yeah, I do. Um, actually, I don't remember the, the explicit uh, experience of it, but I just remember at the time I was very, very, very pro X Men. Because, you know, like all the like, other, you know, uh, superhero movies were coming out and I couldn't really relate to any of them. I didn't really read any of the comics, but I was very much very much ready to defend the X- X-Men movies with my life. And I still am to this day, but uh, this one um, <clears throat> really shook my faith. <laughs> <if you will. laughs> um, yeah, I think at this point uh, I didn't even 
at this point I was still feeling like feminism was a dirty word pretty much. Um, and even at this point, watching what happened in this movie, I was like, maybe there was a better way to do this <laughs> that I could have related to more. Uh, but yeah, we can get into that later. Uh, Brandon? I mean, I saw it in Queens in Astoria at the Astoria, uh, Kaufman Astoria Theater. And I remember, I just remember, I don't remember the exact feeling of it. I mean, I don't remember the exact experience, but I remember the feeling afterwards, which was a vast confusion and disappointment. Like it, it was one of those things that kind of broke my heart. It was like, it's like you saw, there were so many things that went unfulfilled for me that I was like, like, I thought, I'm like, did no one care? Like, <laughs> no one care? and then, you, start, you know, like you see movies where you go like, well, sometimes it is about, like we were saying, like, it's about money and all this. I'm like, nobody, like, nobody cared about that movie the way that I would have. And that is like, that was like a turning point for me where I'm like, like the continuity in it was not around. Like it just, there were so many things. Uh, but I walked away being like, this was not the the fulfillment of the X-Men franchise that I had hoped for. Yeah. A- Adam? Well, um, so yeah, 2006, I was, I was in Glendale, California. It was my first big boy apartment after, uh, yeah, after college. And um, yeah, I, it, and by the way, this is like a very short movie. I re- this is the, this is my first time rewatching it since the first time in the theater. And I was just like, this movie went by very, very quickly, but also, you know, it was just one of those like <laughs> horrifically paced movies um, where obviously they chopped that a lot, tried to make it work, couldn't make it work, did their best um, in the end. But um, yeah, I left like, you know, as disillusioned as you could be with, I don't know, like I, I was like super bummed, mainly from like a thematic standpoint. Um, and we can get to this later, or we can get to this now, which is... Um, the whole first two movies went out of their way to be like, we're a metaphor for queer stuff. Right. <laughs> and then this whole movie is about maybe their lives are better without the powers. Have you tried not being a mutant? <laughs> like, so I was a little just like, because that was my thing because we were so plugged in. Because it's 2006, you don't really get a whole bunch of queer content, not a lot of queer right. books, not a lot of queer nothing. So this was it. And then you go to this movie and then like, you're like, all right, some straight guys taking over this movie straight. All right. Okay. Here we go. And then it was like, it was like, no, Rogue is happier now. Yeah. <laughs> she did it for herself, you guys. She didn't do it for Bobby. I know. It was like, well, for herself, she went to reparative therapy. Um, oh, God. Not just some straight guy. A straight guy who famously said rehearsal is for fags. About Oh, that. my God. This guy, this guy has been canceled 17 times. Wait, Brett Ratner said that? Yes. Yes. Oh, oh, no, they literally, like, can we rehearse this number for the Oscars? A, a queer event because it's like, oh, I liked this movie my friends liked anyway. Mm-hmm. So. It's the gay level is the floor. And he said rehearsal is for fags. And I wish someone would have been like, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, what do you think you're doing bit. here? <laughs> it was like this was like 2010 or whatever. I, it was it was it was about 10 years ago. And so and then they took him off of that Oscars. <laughs> oh my god. I love that a bunch of dysfunctional queer people are talking about the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember seeing the movie at midnight. 
and I saw it with <gasps> oh like a bunch God. of my close friends and I was so excited. Um, and I can remember at the time, one of my, I was working where I'm working now. I was working at Barnes and Noble. Uh, and one of my coworkers who was like my work husband, he was like my straight work husband. He was like, that movie's going to be bad. There's no way it's going to be good. And we argued like all week. But how I was like, no, it's going to be really because like the cast is good, even if it's a different director, like it'll still be good. I have confidence. These two movies have been so good. There's no way this will be bad. Then I saw it and I can I can remember thinking this isn't good. The moment we got Angel trying to hack off his own wings because oh. um, no. it was like, no, we no. got too much. Wait a minute. It was too much. It was too much in the beginning. I like, that was still part of like the queer legacy of the films. I was okay yeah. with that. And it 100%. like hinted at the healing factor, which is like a thing that was established before this movie came out. I was okay with that. What I wasn't okay with was him saving his dad while wearing a pea coat at the end. I cannot believe how much I repressed from this movie. Yes. I saw it last night. I was like, what? <laughs> this movie was like four movies honestly yes. like there, I mean obviously yeah. we've talked about there it was there were so many different cooks in the kitchen in terms of like the directors the writers the studios everybody what everybody wanted something different but like there are there are three at least three specific movies happening here right oh like, yeah there's the, queer, there's the queer shit that we're talking about there's the um you know uh rogue not wanting to be the person that she is anymore I guess right and then I... there's the phoenix thing and and randomly <laughs> cyclops dying and nobody seeming to give a shit about it in any capacity oh no morning no <laughs> he morning. didn't None. He, he didn't get a headstone until the end right <laughs> oh my they god were they like, yeah, they're like he died <laughs> before they had a funeral for him oh my god they're just doubling up it's the timing thing they're like listen we know we're gonna lose a bunch of people let's just get them all the weight yeah, <laughs> we got the bodies in waiting. It'll be fine. We'll do one big thing. Wait a minute. Okay, um, so uh, backtracking timeline-wise to uh, young Angel cutting, cut, trying to hack off his wings in the bathroom um, and his dad catching him uh, not... It, it seemed like it was like, it was like oh, you caught right. me uh, cutting off my wings. But it was it was one of those things where, like, I disagree because I, 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 you know, I'm with Jay where I... I thought it was like one of the few like genuine emotional moments that was actually tied to the theme that's been actually going on for the last three movies before this like soup that the rest of the thing is. Um, so I can, so I'm, I agree I, with that a little bit, but I have to say like watching it again, I was like, I totally felt that energy and it's very tragic, but it's like, when you think about the first scene of X-Men with Magneto and like the depth of the filmmaking and like the way that it brought out the emotion, I felt like, the, the scene with Angel was like calling it in a little bit. We're like, here's a snippet of some like tragic shit with a child. And yeah, well then we'll get to all the rest of the stuff. It was like, we're just going to give you a little bit to remind you of some of the tragedy that surrounds mutants or, you know, whatever. And then we're going to completely change direction. Well, the thing is, is that the scene, the scene itself is it. Okay. Let's say it would be great if it was followed through. <laughs> the rest of the movie as it stood it didn't make sense it would it was also maybe this is me because i'm a bit of a baby but i was like this is pretty intense a grater like a cheese grater like a right. zester to like right. scrape your 
God. Your baby feathers off? It was intense. There would have been blood everywhere. Um. So wait. So I I did not I didn't finish my uh my like Sorry, how I so your disillusion. Okay. Oh, keep so, going. Um, I so I I saw it and I remember the, the reason I didn't like those two things is because you know we got the Magneto scene in the first movie we got the Nightcrawler scene in the second movie and that felt to me like oh those are not I mean the Nightcrawler scene though that is to me that's that's what I want to happen in the White House every day right now so is <laughs> yes. there like a oh, couple of, but I want him to finish the job um, <laughs> I that scene is so good as yes. Um, opening scene in the movie. Yeah. Because the yes. gene well, scene is first in this film. Right. And that's, for me, that was my issue is because we always got one scene. And for me, it was like they conflated two things where it's like, we get the gene, we get the angel. And I'm like, we need to do one or the other. I didn't need both. Right. And I didn't feel the angel scene. I mean, yeah, it like completely doesn't pay off. Angel's in like, he has maybe five lines of dialogue throughout the rest of the movie. Poor Ben uh, Foster. Poor Ben Foster. I know. But so I think that's why for me right away, I was like, mm, this feels like too much. Um, <laughs> but I can remember we all went to a diner afterwards and me and my one friend were like, yeah, because it's Jersey. And we're like, oh my God, that was so fucking bad. And her brother had come with us, but he was in a separate car. So he met us at the diner. And he said, you know, that movie was actually good. And we were both Ooh. like, what did you say? <laughs> like furious. Um, and then the next day at work, I remember my work husband, I was at customer service and he was at the registers and he dialed my extension, was like, so how was your stupid X-Men movie? And I said, fuck you and hung up on it. <laughs> wow. Honestly, that's been the past, what has it been, 14 years? That's been the past 14 years for me with this movie. <laughs> I will fucking kill anyone who says something against this movie. I'm I've come around. First of all, I have to preface it with saying there was a time when if you had FX and if it was a Saturday, you could watch pretty much every X movie. Yep. Yep. <laughs> every X movie. And yeah. Transformers somehow. <laughs> all okay. in like less than the amount of time it took to write the scripts for them. So <laughs> I have seen this movie so much that I looped back around to going, it's bad with good parts. I don't think it's good with bad parts. I think it's bad with good parts. And that's, I, I, I'm, I'm okay I, with that. I can buy that. I think, right. I, th I think that's a good, that's yeah. a very fair assessment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, Ian, you and I, this is an age old discussion with you and me, but um, I think it's not aggressively bad enough to be beloved like Batman and Robin is to me. I know you were like, how dare you say Batman and Robin is bad? <laughs> how it's, dare you? It's so bad. It's no. back to great. <laughs> okay okay fair, fine no i'm i think that movie should be played 24 7 on mute in the background of gay clubs with like dance club music it's on. beautiful we you don't have tnt <laughs> it's on every time i turn it on <laughs> i i think that movie like is a war crime. I think oh, Batman no. and Robin. Oh, ridiculous. That movie has way out. more creativity put into it than whatever like drab oh, yes. overcoat Brett Ratner put mutants into in this movie. <laughs> we back to Angel. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think, but this movie, but this movie also did something. I think we can look at 
currently and say, oh, this is when a lot of it started. There are three huge acts of fan service in this movie that I don't think we give enough credit to the X-Men movies for kind of starting. We got the fan service casting of Kelsey Grammer as Beast. Like the only way that happens is if they are actually listening to like who's the most like articulate actor that we want as Beast. So that's like one thing I didn't expect to get. And we got that. We got Vinnie Jones saying the line from the popular internet video <laughs> which is which you don't which like you don't think should it shouldn't happen in a in a block in a blockbuster in a blockbuster that cost like 140 million dollars to make it was like the most expensive comic book movie at the time like you're not gonna lift lines from a youtube video but they did it <laughs> well, also if he's gonna say that say it to like beast or whoever don't say it to like the young girl in the it was like so but that like, was, but that, was like, this, like, that was like the second bitch in the film there was a police officer who called a little girl a bitch when raven was m- like bitch i will into- spray you in the face oh, yeah yes. 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 girl who goes on to be um uh, alicia florick's daughter in the wow <laughs> yeah Oh really? Yeah, yeah, that's her. You know, that's a <laughs> the podcast moment and go check. And out. and yeah. what's the third? Oh, the third act of fan service is we got to see a fully iced Bobby. So there were three yeah. moments that they got very right, just because I was like, well, you better do these things at least, right? But you know, I, here's the thing about this movie that I thought about the other day was is that when you think about like x-men stories like from the comic books like sometimes they're really tight and sometimes they're messy and weird and i feel like the x-men the x-men the last stand is this thing of like where there are yeah there are good things that you're like ooh, but then there's another messy like things that just don't make sense and you're like eh, it kind of like reminds me of phases that the x-men comic books would go through and like Look, the 90s. I- I love these movies very specifically because of this, I think. I think, like, at the time, you know, they served my purposes when I saw them in the theaters. They were, you know, what we had at the time. They felt like they were the most, like, democratic superhero movies we were going to get. There was the most variety in terms of, like, what people could do and what they were doing with it. But now, as an adult, I'm tr- I own these movies and I turn them on in the background to do stuff with. And like, I have ADHD, so like, I don't pay attention to like if if there's something on on screen that I don't know by heart what is happening, I'm gonna be distracted by it. But I will put these movies on in the background, especially this one, where like I can look away and know exactly what's happening, but not really give a shit because it's not important, right? You 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 turn back in to the good parts of the movie, and that's all that matters. <laughs> and so it serves more of a purpose now than than it did a few years ago. You know. Oh yeah, this was okay. Okay, uh, this was under the Bush administration. So this mm-hmm. was Memorial Day weekend, two thousand and six. So we still had a weird kind of like the president in the movie is like an old white guy like there's a there's like a nostalgia to this movie oddly so many different presidents from like year to year (laughs) (laughs) oh god (laughs) never had the same president twice uh the colorblind casting of boulevard trask (laughs) (laughs) oh wow (laughs) 
<laughs> it's always weird to see Bill Duke as Boulevard Trask because there are no Sentinels in this movie, but Boulevard right. Trask exists. I just wanted so, like, to throw him in there for some. It's just he, cool. but he's also like part of the Presidential Council, and like they're all super cool with Hank, but also like we think your kind should be dead. But what's up, homie? he's the good one right like but that's what it is it's like respectability politics you're right right (laughs) well so speaking of sentinels we do get that very weird it's weird in a movie that has such a big budget that we kind of see a sentinel right like we only see its eyes behind fog and then we see the head it feels like, even back then, that felt cheap. I remember being like, oh, we're about to see a scent. Oh, wait, no, we're not. Like, well, okay, now, this is the third X-Men podcast I have recorded with you, Ian Carlos Crawford. And every time we go, well, they didn't really have the budget for that. I'm like, there's three movies in, and they <laughs> one Sentinel, with the, they made Ice Body. Like, I'm always just wondering, I'm like, how much budget do you need? They, they spent their budget movie. poorly. That's what it is. They had yeah. a budget, and they spent it on three movies instead of one movie. Well, they could have yeah. it's, I feel like every episode, we're just like, well, the budget. I'm like, well, these were huge movies. I don't understand. I don't... Well, I didn't, it, it still took them, what, one, two... three. It took them three more movies to actually get like more than one Sentinel on screen again, though. It took all the way to Days of Future Past. We can have a we can have like a fleet of these because even this one, it was very um, Night of the Sentinels like X Men the animated series. Like it's he has a ten man line, but he says it to Colossus and <laughs> basketball special, and then he comes back with the head, which is just it. Does, a lot of it doesn't make sense because I'm like, uh, there's some ranged attacks on your team, Logan. Like someone else can handle it. <laughs> Yes, they they also so I I don't I, I think Hugh Jackman is very good as Wolverine. I don't dislike Wolverine as a character. Um as a kid he was one of my favorite it's like him and Jubilee and Gambit and Rogue were like my favorite X-Men. Um but they insist, especially like I feel like I noticed it more going back to this movie this time because I hadn't watched this movie in a while. They really insist upon Wolverine in this movie. It's like, no, he is the leader. He's the only one that can like accomplish things when like, Jay, you're right. It's like, why couldn't Storm just blast him with a lightning bolt? The Sentinel. Like, there's a bajillion other people on this team that have maybe better powers for fighting a robot, but it's like, nope, Wolverine's gotta do it. But they all that, like that was the whole point though. The whole point of that whole scene was the fact that, like, look, I, it's not that I di- I disagree with you because I absolutely believe that, like, yeah, they gave too much like screen time to Wolverine but that was the whole point was that he wasn't playing like a team so like he had to like jump over everybody and steamroll everyone instead of acting like a team doing a teamwork thing that's true that's him lighting his cigar on like the flame (laughs) (laughs) but and Ian I will argue that we learn later on in the movie that apparently Storm's lightning bolts are set to stun not kill because Callisto should have been dead seven different times in this movie if you (laughs) if you hit me with a lightning bolt and I don't die I like what oh my god or you're at least fried to the point where you're not like thinking clearly now yeah we'll get to we'll get to the entire morlock omega gang just kind of confused combo that is i hate every part of that (laughs) uh 
Also, so we get Colossus as a main team member in this movie, and he has <laughs> one line. He has one line. That's it. Like, I don't understand if they were like, were they trapped in a contract with this man who probably couldn't act? Or were they just like, it doesn't matter? I feel like no one cared, right? <laughs> I feel like they were they were like the whole canon is up for grabs as far as like who plays who and whatnot, but they stuck with this guy. And I, I remember that. Well, he picked very, up very a TV. He picked up a very heavy TV in X2. And that's when we were like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> he was a local hire, bless his heart. <laughs> <laughs> I can help you. Help them. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right, Adam. It's like we have three different Kitty Prides, but like, oh, no, we got to stick are with so Colossus. Many, there are different Kitty Pride. There is a different president every time. And Colossus is like, we could not find another uh, kind of buff dude in, in all of uh, Brian's Maybe Hollywood. Maybe really a love it on set. You don't know. True. I'm not, true. again, I'm just saying it's just. It's he an... seems like a nice guy. I don't know. <laughs> we like found him in a mall in Alberta. And we're like, come in. <laughs> yeah, that, he's sending money back to his dying sister in Russia. Go. <laughs> I'm kidding. She's in limbo. <laughs> I don't know if he would have done like a Russian accent. By X-Men The Last Stand, everyone had gradually lost all any and all affectations. Like I don't even think Rogue had much of it, anything by The Last Stand. She did Stand. not, no. And then all of a sudden to have drop in Colossus and have him be like listen to Varsh, like no but we don't know who the voice and speech teacher at the school is also <laughs> they might be doing an amazing job with the elocution classes <laughs> i want to see that see i want to see aurora going into a small room with a little old lady that's like have a seat did you go over your sentences yeah <laughs> that, that lady from singing in the rain where she's like yes you must remember my dear round tones yes <laughs> <laughs> it should just be i mean okay so he didn't have enough words to have an accent i don't think <laughs> he didn't this is true man because i so i I because I think in the first one I feel like that one line he not the first one the second one he that one line he delivers it's like was there supposed to be an accent there I couldn't quite tell because like you said there was he just had that one line but wait wasn't that the, line like come on it's like I can help no he says I can help but he says I can help because yeah. of the kids the they break it's into the school waiting. yeah yeah also is that man supposed to also be a student is a thing I was I, wondering that is a big question right. honestly right <laughs> A little that man for senior bless his heart <laughs> yeah i feel like we should note how progressive this podcast is because for the first time in a long time gay men are like don't objectify this hunky brunette you better <laughs> let him say something he is of value not only for his his osmium body but also his brain <laughs> No, in my head, he's just that guy who graduated high school and he's sticking around. He's weird, but he doesn't want to let go. But the yeah. thing is, is that didn't um, in one of the movies, I don't think it was this one, but one of the movies, doesn't um, Aurora say something about like uh, she she refers to herself as a student and like it's this one. Like, oh, is it? She's like, and he's like, you were, you, you know, you're you you haven't been a student for a long time. So the implication is that like people like her and Colossus and stuff, they just stick around forever. <laughs> And maybe become a teacher at some point, but they there's a lot of there. paperwork. 
They have to really. It's like <laughs> they just need a helping hand over at the Xavier School. Yeah. Listen, if I was there at that school and I had been there and I was like, I think of myself as a student and one of my like closest friends said, you haven't been a student for a long time. I would be crushed. I would spend the whole day just like, you don't have to say it like that. But that's, I think that's also what's missing. We needed, it's weird that Pyro left because the school needed a main girl in this iteration. Right. <laughs> like some, there need like someone needed to go. Wait a second, we're fighting who? And she <laughs> killed one of our teachers. Can I call my mom? <laughs> What's going on? What? <laughs> Wait, I need to go back to real, something really quick that we did not really talk about the facial smoothing, which was oh. like I think the first time that I really saw facial smoothing. And for oh, the most part, I feel like honey, it hyaluronic acid. <laughs> Oh, oh, I'm using it currently. Um, Lactic but acid. Have to say, like, no, not But when I did a rewatch, there's like one or two shots, I feel like when they're outside, that gives me a very soft Drag Race Season 1 sort of filter, where I'm oh. like, whoa. <laughs> okay. But once I get inside, it like really works out. Like I was surprised because um, I feel like that was the very, like one of the very first times that I, that technology was something that I saw on screen. Right. I, I think I, I'm... It's the first time I saw it. Yeah, I meant to look it up, but I think it was like, it was just, in, like technology was just right. invented. It was, it was definitely one of the first, if not the first. Yeah. Yeah, I, I meant to look that up because yeah, I and it's weird, I watched it. So like I said, I hadn't rewatched this movie in forever. Um, watching it on my TV now the faces looked a little bit like just a touch grainy when it's in like HD, they like look a touch grainy um, while everything else still looked HD. It's like just the faces, like a, a tad grainy that I say that because I sit where I'm sitting right now is my desk. And if I turn to my right, my TV's right there. So usually I sit watching TV while at my computer. So it's like, I'm very, I'm like the close to the TV that like parents are like, don't sit that close. You're all blind. <laughs> um, so I noticed that this time, uh, but um, so moving forward, we get we are introduced to Kelsey Grammer's Beast. Um, I think he's perfect. He, I, he is. He really is. It's one. It's one of the things that well, Matthew Vaughn got this casting decision right, and they yeah yeah luckily let Beast do everything that you wanted him to do. If you were a fan of the animated series, he's reading his book upside down in his right. office. Oh he's wearing God. he's that wearing moment. a suit. I mean, he oh, also my stars and oh my stars and garters. Oh. We get some of the most like Eggs, iconic. Wolverine. It's great. Oh, and Wolverine basically you're Wolverine, quite like, the animal. Oh, it's so good. And he even says like his old X Men outfit doesn't fit. It's every Kelsey Grammer is a high point of this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's that's a, really such disappointing. A shame. But yes, it is yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> he also brings in like the fifth movie going. Yeah, on you this, you don't like... want to see Fraser Crane kick some ass. I do. <laughs> I, I I meant to look that up as well. I was like, is this like the only action movie Kelsey Grammer's ever been in where he isn't just like the brain and he actually does fight moves? Like how many times have we seen Kelsey Grammer like jumping into a scene and clawing at, you know, armed guards? Right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's something to write. Blue once too, so <laughs> Yeah, true. <laughs> so we then we see that they have Mystique in capture, um, in like <sighs> captivity. Yeah. Um I think Rebecca Romaine Stamos, Rebecca Romaine, had the same James Marsden clause. Thank you. 
you, <laughs> you get me. I was more. like, what? I was about to be like, listen, I don't know if Oikios Yogurt is paying you to say that man's name on here, but don't you dare disrespect Rebecca Romaine, swimsuit model and actress extraordinaire. I would never. Um, like, Scream 2's Jerry O'Connell is on the phone right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I need a word. But I, her scene is so... I, which one so are we one, talking about? Which scene are we so talking about? When we, so it's like Beast is talking to, I think, the president and Trask, and they're like, oh, look, right. we have her. And then they like are viewing her, and she... I do... Rebecca Romaine, and so Adam and I have said this in the previous two episodes, like, the thing that she does better is that, like, she doesn't look like she hates being this role, and that automatically makes her perfect for the role. Yeah. Absolutely. She doesn't give a shit. She's just very much, like, sitting back waiting for her opportunity to be, like, to break out. Right? Yeah. Which is the best, I think that's when the best motivations, or at least when the best acting targets to be Mystique, is you just, all you have to do is go, yeah, I'm blue, and... Mm-hmm. Right. Like, <laughs> what What do you want? And then you get to you get to kick ass. There's, there's a few, like, really weird takes on Mystique in a com- from a comic book standpoint and, like, in a post-Jennifer Lawrence world where Ugh. she's, like, virtuous. And you're like, no, 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 no. She's the perfect spy because she – you will never know. you, And you're never supposed to know if you if you can trust her. And the, here, here's the thing. Here's Okay, so I have to g- jump off that point. The way that she gets done dirty this fucking movie, I cannot uh, handle it. I can't handle it. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. I don't know if it, it happens in the comics or whatever. It doesn't work. But does she – Okay, so the first time I saw it, I thought that. And then the second time I saw it, I thought, did she give the government intentionally wrong intel because of the um, the Jamie Madrox flake out, uh, fake out, like the multiple man dupe? I mean, I guess. So was but she just... still working for the cause when she gave them the campsite information? Because that's after they abandoned her. Is, if she is giving them uh feeding them wrong information is that because she's just that hard or is it because she is still loyal to eric even after he has left her lying naked on the floor of a semi uh, <laughs> i thought i thought this was a natalie and brumlia lyric that is what it is that's how she's left <laughs> how good was that black wig though right uh, how good was black uh, wig no. I, uh, another wig problem Oh, that was also an asymmetrical black wig. Oh, okay. So it's so it it, for for me that wig is terrible. But the Tommy slash I guess Psylocke in the credits wig is the worst one of all. So (laughs) wait, I don't remember this at all. Please describe. Oh, it's the okay. So whenever we are introduced to the Morlocks, there's one whose power, I guess, is just like stealth and invisibility, but it's also like a 2D sort of like mesomore situation. And she becomes flat. It's based on the Morlock Tommy, who was in the animated series a lot. She can become like two dimensional and like fade against the wall. But they made her Psylocke because they cast an Asian girl instead of just giving her. Oh, right. it was really, I mean, it's crazy because there were three, maybe four Asian villains in this movie, which was another crazy thing to do. Like, kill, uh, Quill slash Kid Omega, 
Psylocke, and then Dr. Kavita Rao. I was like, what are you doing? And every one of them dies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, so I have that in my notes for later, but I'll bring it up now that that actor, I don't remember where it was like, I was working at, Bar- I was working at Barnes and Noble at the time. The actor that played that role that's like Psylocke, but not Psylocke, there was an interview with her in like one of those, you know, very brief interview blocks that was about the X-Men. There was an interview with that actor in some like random pop culture nerdy magazine of the time. You know, I worked at Barnes & Noble, so I read just like every magazine that had anything about the X-Men in it. Um, and I can remember the interview with her. I couldn't find it. I tried to Google it. Uh, but she says that she her character didn't have a name. They added that name after. Tight. Like she, Love that for she her. Was just like, Love it. Yeah, right? Like Jesus oh Christ, that's terrible. It's oh I think the invisibility is supposed to be like when Psylocke had the Crimson Dawn power set, say, she yeah, could travel she through the shadows. But it's just there's literally a Morlock with that power that you could just be like, oh, it's Tommy. You've seen her, who's had like a bunch of appearances in animated series for the X Men. That is just so frustrating. I, I often wonder, like, it feels like they just like did a like lottery thing and we're just like what whatever name we're picking out of the hat that's what x-man this is because like it's not all villains that are like there are so many mutants in the x comics that are villains and heroes yet they just like hodgepodge them all together and they're like make psylocke a bad guy make multiple man a bad guy yeah sure whatever like i don't understand how they like have the characters that they like use but they don't use them and I hate to say they don't use them right because then I sound like that nerd, but I mean, I am. But Is I don't it, you're know. doing a podcast. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's done. <laughs> you're already here. Might as well but, do it. So that mystique scene, um, she, the whole like, that's my slave name. Don't call me Raven is very stupid. Oh. Very stupid. Also, her name is Raven Darkholm. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very comic book name you can, oh, I mean, yeah even if it but like it just oh my god if your name was that it wouldn't really make a difference right <laughs> call me raven Darkholm. call me mystique pretty much the same thing <laughs> so that but i do like her i mean like you said jay she plays it well because it's just like she doesn't give a shit and like she's shape-shifting into all the different people and like pissing off these guards because she doesn't care right like she's just waiting to escape and i do like that she at least gets one action scene um before we go back to cyclops and we learn that he's a mess and just kind of everyone's accepted it no one really seems concerned (laughs) uh then he leaves he has i read on imdb that he has exactly like four and a half minutes of screen time in this movie wow wow (laughs) he had like a five minute limit or something Right? Like, what? I, I wonder what the, I really wonder what the contract works. I feel like, especially back then with superhero movies, no one kind of knew, oh, we'll be doing a ton of these when they did those first two. I'll, like, um, I'll be honest, it felt spiteful. Like, it felt like they were doing this really rotten and quick on purpose. It was. Because, like, I, I don't know, I don't know the shenanigans behind the scenes, but Brian Singer did not do this movie, went to do Superman. James Morrison followed him to do Superman and was there like uh, anybody who goes over that movie that messed with us so badly is X'd out. Like, so I don't know. No, yeah, I'm here to conjecture. I'm here to conjecture. Yeah. That's 100% the consensus 
regarding both of those notable departures from this film because part of the entire dark phoenix saga is scott having a deal with the woman that he loves not being the same and the entire team being like well maybe we can find a way to get to her and he's like i don't even know her anymore but i still love her like it's such a it's a huge disservice to have like the her husband if like from like in the comic books at this point, like every well, not Mary, well, you're not yet because then Madeline Pryor comes along, but like the most important person, and so it's just like a it's more Wolverine Gene kind of shipping before it was official, thanks to uh, Jonathan Hickman, but just that sort of focus on people being like, oh, we really want to make sure that we get a Gene Logan sex scene. I'm like, you guys can have that all the time if you want, but right. <laughs> you don't have to kill Scott to have it. Even if it yeah. even if it wasn't like out of spite, it still could have been something that was just like entropy. Like like this this scene happens where they're at Crater Lake and and they're ma- they're making out and suddenly she like, you know, hulks out and <laughs> sorry, wrong wrong uh, <laughs> wrong franchise. Um, but like, and then, you know, and then he goes and, um, you know, goes off with Brian Singer to the Superman movies. And it's like, well, are we really going to put any more energy into this character? Because we could just not. And we have uh, seven other movies to shoot. So, basically, you know. yeah. <laughs> no matter what the choice is, the fact that the leader of the X-Men dies off screen is just, I don't know who would have thought that was a good idea. Yeah. Um, well, and uh, any off-screen death is just annoying. Mm-hmm. It's just like, annoying. Only, the only way that ever works is, like, in a horror movie, if they, like, you know, find the massacred person later, and, like, okay, we didn't... <clears throat> that's the only way that works. And they never even find him. They just find his fucking visor, like... And they didn't even find his boot-cut jeans or his, <laughs> or his terrible motorcycle jacket. Wow, that was... In the, 2006? Oof. We were looking. Did we all look like we just like went yes. to buckle blindfolded and picked out stuff? The difference is we were not making our own money. Well, many of us were not making our own money then. So we no. couldn't afford to buy that motorcycle jacket. Jesus I, Christ. I mean, this this movie was the one where I noticed the most their ex fitting their ex costumes are very ill fitting. Like, <laughs> like bunchy pants, and it's like they're supposed to be like leather. I don't that doesn't make sense. That like why would it be bunchy? Um, mm. I noticed that when Kitty Pride's running through the walls, it's like oh those those pant legs are ugh. And um, doesn't Kitty Pride's ex outfit have like pink accents? Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, Kitty Kitty Pride in the comics would hate that. Yes. <laughs> uh, we get Beast telling uh, Storm, you don't shed on the furniture when they're talking about the cure. Um, I think the discussion about the cure is like Adam said, it just it the metaphor is completely lost once they're discussing a cure. It's like, ooh, it was a queer metaphor, but now we're just going to make it like, meh, who cares? Or if it is, it's like, get that queer shit out that, of here. Like, they didn't have that like, spicy like side comment from um, from Magneto when uh, he goes down to the uh, the underground and he like makes that speech and they, they're like, oh, if you're, if you're a mutant, where's your mark? And he shows them his fucking right. Holocaust concentration chest. He's like, I've been marked once. No needle will touch my skin ever. Like, yes, we get it. Okay, okay. <laughs> It's so tacky. It's like, just it's just forget about this ever happened. The whole <laughs> cure storyline in general, like, deserves jail. It's so 
Like it is useless. You could take the whole thing out. It, 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 like, of course a straight person wouldn't think twice about what this, like, bungling the theme three movies in would do. Because, like, me, I took it a little personally. I'm gonna be (laughs) devil's advocate and say as, no, so, yeah, this is me just being devil's advocate. So I will say that the reason that they attempted to have the Cure storyline was for two reasons. They saw the success of Joss Whedon's Astonishing Run, which has a Cure storyline, and Dr. Kavita Rao. So they wanted to say, okay, we definitely can fold this in somehow. They wanted to give Rogue something to do. They wanted to try to establish like a romance between Kitty and Bobby, which girl, just wait until tw- <laughs> wait until Brian Michael Bendis gets a hold of Bobby in a few years. I know, the two of them. And I think they wanted to introduce like Leech and the Morlocks. There were like a few things that they thought would have worked, but it just like never congealed. I get why it was there, but it just never. But and I, I don't, Jay, how do you feel? Because I actually really love that astonishing x-men run like i that's one of my favorite well the only reason that it works is because this and this is bold i don't know you guys won't you guys will believe this is because of emma you need like i said a mean girl you need someone to come in and say i hate this place why am i even here oh wasn't she by the way initially in the early versions of this script wasn't emma (gasps) who was supposed to be yeah because she was supposed to be played by sigourney weaver Weaver. of phoenix I just yeah, found that out really. week and it blew my mind. And then they almost did it again with Jessica Chastain, but fucked it up. Oh my uh, god. The only I will say the only wow. thing this movie has going for it opposed to the that Dark Phoenix is that like these actors don't seem to hate everything. Like the, that movie <laughs> that movie is like a worse version of a already terrible movie. Oh, they don't you, understand. They don't terrible. turn Storm until into like a, a human ice maker. Like that's what they don't do in <laughs> this movie. Oh my god, there we not. I'm not talking about that. No. I just, so so wait, yes, wait, Ian, I have to stop you. You forgot to mention the one the something that made me really frustrated, which was when Storm said to Beast. She had the callback to "I love what you've done with your hair," uh, and I rolled my like. It's like uh, one of those things that sort of happens so quickly that you forget it, and I'm like, that is like so. It was so eye rolly to me because I'm like, was you it never capture the magic like you did, like they did in X two with "I love what you've done with your hair." Oh and, no, that's bitchy. That was the that was the mean girl moment. Oh, I don't- it was the best line ever, and then to like try to have that like little callback like oh we're gonna mention this i was like you don't get to do that no <laughs> <laughs> no i think no because every gay on twitter wants to be magneto and mystique laughing about them almost killing rogue because they're like you didn't die though so chill out why are you so mad at us um <laughs> yeah Mag- okay magneto and mystique at that point in x2 are the people that just got in a car crash with you and it's like but we're still alive so you're really gonna complain She's like, yes. Yes, you are my fucking tormentors. You have contacted me beyond recognition. And now I have to be in the same room as you. Not only that, I have to work with you. It's great. Everything's fine. Also, I'm hearing rumblings that you're my stepmom. I don't want to get in. (laughs) Oh, my God. Rumblings. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and so I want to point out that we are literally 
almost an hour into this podcast and we're only at the 30 minute mark because so much shit happens in the first 30 minutes of this movie. <laughs> I feel like they really, because I have in my notes, so much has happened and I'm only 30 minutes in and well, that's right under talking about James Marsden dying. Well, like to be fair, we keep pausing to like have like 12 aneurysms over like voices. <laughs> True. I'm just like, I just can't believe it. Oh, but I think I, I wonder if they were like, oh, this is genius. We're doing all setup and then all the pieces will be in place. But like that, that never works. It never like, cause I don't mind a movie if it's like mm, 30 minutes of like a little bit of boring. It's just 30 minutes of too much. And ugh, so Gene's back at the mansion The Cyclops or Cyclops is dead. Wolverine and Storm go to find him. They find Jean Grey. They bring her back. I, we don't, a thing that really bothers me is we don't ever, because they, in both Dark Phoenix movies, they conflate Jean Grey and Phoenix to being the, like the same person. It's like, oh, it's her alter ego, um, not like an alien being presence thing. Um, her powers don't make sense. I don't understand like what Magneto, I think, towards the end says, like, you have the power to do anything. And I'm like, no, but really, what? Like, give me, like, yeah. Because if she can do anything, poltergeist powers. <laughs> don't they? Don't they say? Well, because don't they? I guess hint at the fact that her telekinesis is so strong that she's like disintegrating things on like a subatomic level, or like yeah. she's even like igniting the air because of yeah. like combustion from like the friction between molecules. Like it's like they- that level. When they bring her back, right, they, they like, try to explain this, right? Like, they have that, um, Logan and Xavier have that conversation over her, you know, unconscious body. And Logan gets all big mad about the fact that, like, he's been, you know, suppressing her her powers. And the idea, like, the, the idea that they're trying to push is that, like, she's been such a powerful telekinetic for so long that, like, and he's been suppressing her powers for so long that for some reason that has like that was my my takeaway was that he has split her her oh yeah into this thing that is so powerful but hasn't had a chance to like exercise or practice its powers right and this was right around i think what deadly genesis so everyone who was reading the comics and watching this movie was like oh professor x is a piece of shit yes, like he's, he's a, gar- a terrible person because in and deadly he genesis he erases an entire team from scott's brain and he's like oh yeah you got your other brother he died but like you don't gotta worry about that right now. <laughs> have you met banshee have you met banshee <laughs> he's wonderful sean sing something for us <laughs> <laughs> I I I was actually going to say that because I do think I do appreciate that like for a moment we get a little bit of shithead professor X for a here. second and then he gets to die and be a martyr and we never right. ever talk about it again and uh... <laughs> no he, hey Devin he does something almost worse than dying he goes class oh right 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 man was born with no higher brain function. I don't know how he's been alive these past right. 20 years. Um, should, should someone put their consciousness, just hypothetically, should someone put the their vegetable. consciousness into this man? <laughs> I'm just asking because. Because <laughs> I'm thinking of doing it later. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> so here's the thing. I don't know comics. I just know these movies. 
that's what Dark Phoenix is really about. Oh no, Dark Phoenix like, is about no, 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 no. right Gene being becoming the avatar for a presence this, that's like, super... been around at the since the begin since the dawn of existence. They, tr- okay. they tried it with the with the new um, Sophie right. Turner movie, which well they they started to try it. Um, yeah, they failed they unbelievably miserably, and it's ugh, I'm never gonna get over it. But. They, the whole idea is that they're up in space, right? Like this is what this is what happens in the comics too, right? It's like they're up in the jet in space, and she gets embodied by some presence from outer space, right? Yeah. Well, she tries to like help cocoon. Basically, she tries to use her telekinetic shields to block a solar flare, but the solar flare is actually like the embodiment of the Phoenix Force, right. and it destroys her body and creates her new one, and then it takes that body over. And it is good for like a little bit. It's like chilling. And then <laughs> it just, it, at one point it eats the sun. So there's all these I, like comic book lists that'll be like, who has the highest death count among the X-Men? And everyone's like, oh, it's Jean because she killed an entire star system with sentient <laughs> beings. <laughs> is it Jean's fault though? Yes, Jean's <laughs> fault. <laughs> I was just going to say the problem with, uh, the whole gene thing, right? Like, and, and, you know, I haven't read, I've ma- read maybe two X-Men comics. Uh, so I don't, I can't speak to the actual, the, the plot lines there, but like the whole arc of Jean Grey is like the, the narrative underpinning it is that she has too much power for herself to control. Right. And we never, ever talked about the fact that maybe she could, if there weren't so many goddamn men in her life, they knew better. <laughs> Uh, you know, she is really angry. She has every reason to be angry. She's furious. Even if she was just a, like an a, like an alien that had you know destroyed and recreated her body, that alien would also be angry, justifiably, because he's being controlled as well. So like, it, there's never ever like the the second part of that narrative where it's like, yes, this person does have the right to be angry. And they should have some sort of resolution that doesn't involve them dying, doesn't involve them killing themselves in some way. Right. So, like, is so like fans of this storyline? I ask you, like, why is it such a kiss of death? Like, it is like, like if somebody else was like, even twenty years from now, I was like, we're doing Dark Phoenix again. I'd be like, yeah, please, God, like, I, it's I, too I, big. It's right. three movies. the yeah. the The Phoenix storyline is three movies. You can't do it in a movie. I would argue that if you took the movie that just came out, what was it last year, last century? It's been a fucking right. <laughs> oh boy! If you took that project and you put it in the hands of, say, um, I forget what her name is, the woman who wrote um, the Bumblebee movie. Did you guys see that? Oh, I feel very bad. No. You should go see that immediately. It is so fucking funny. It is so good. Um, it, yes, because it, what it did is it takes the Transformers like ethos, right? And it really, it's so self-aware and it's so much about, it's so, it's so character driven that it is simultaneously. Christina, Christina Hodson. Is that her name? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So she. I, I swear, to, I saw that movie and I was like, I really wish that somebody like her was writing this Dark Phoenix movie just because like, and I think we're going to see like, again, to junk franchises, but like this, this She-Hulk uh, show that's coming up, 
I think that like that has the same potential where you're like, here is a here is a movie, here is an arc uh, that you can do in the set amount of the allotted time that you have about women being fucking angry and women having the exact right to be that angry. <laughs> and like, you just have to put, literally you just have to put it in the hands of a woman. I don't want to make it that simple, but it kind of feels like it's that simple after 17 goddamn movies. Right. And men are writing and directing about this character. It, yeah. I, you have, I think like well, from a, of course. from a, storyline standpoint it is such a epic space odyssey because to truly like mention the phoenix you have to mention the shiar to mention the shiar the x-men have to go into space you have to have a hellfire club you have to have a mastermind you have to have so many elements working already that then you can like tell it's like insane it's it's but do, incredibly but tough do to those do things do all of those things not being present in do you think that that's what sinks x3 or dark phoenix do you think those are the like not having oh yeah comments? that's I what think, failed it well that's what failed dark phoenix specifically because it came out after captain marvel and so they couldn't even do half of the things they want they want the scrolls to be responsible for it but then from a right, writing right, standpoint right. they're like we can't even use we can't we don't do even, yeah we can't right. even use his property they had the dabari the broccoli people of the marvel oh universe be the primary antagonist it's just it's so it's a it's a space opera it's a yeah. it's insane to try to do in under three films i would argue that's just my that's yeah. my take on it it's just so at one point gene thinks she is like mastermind traps her in like a loop that basically makes her think she's like a victorian woman and like she <laughs> lives a life and that life is but shattered is that from something else to tell the story and like i think yeah I think because you have to, to like cross when you're when you're talking about these two like okay so the the, the my issue and your issue are two issues that if they could work together, they would make a good movie, right? Oh, like I would you- want a woman to tell that story because it's yeah. all about women in power. It's Emma Frost right. versus like right. Jean at a certain point. But like, so so what I'm trying to say is that like there is this issue with, I mean, it's a perpetual perpetual issue with comic book movies, right? Like where you're trying to do right by the source material, but you also want to tell a story that like you don't have to have read the source material to like get something out of the movie. You know, I came into the X-Men, like, universe literally never having read an X-Men comic at all um, and came out of it a a fan for better or usually worse. Um, (laughs) You can can tell those stories in a way that, like, I guess would infuriate the comic book fans, but then also tell a story that, like, stands alone. They just, it's, it's that war between those two things that, like just sinks it every time i so i think i think that and this isn't i feel like this isn't a new thing a lot of people have said this the x-men animated series did the best dark phoenix saga like translation and they even condensed some things you know because in dark phoenix saga emma frost actually isn't part of like she's not with the main hellfire club that they fight but for the cartoon purposes they put her there yeah it worked and like I think the the few change and you know they updated it with the cast of their '90s cartoon rather than the you know cast from the comic when it came out. So we get Rogue fighting Gladiator instead of Colossus, and it's I don't know. I think they they changed it without 
making it bad and it worked like i was totally okay with all those changes even as the baby gay nerd i was i had already read dark phoenix like a hundred times it was my favorite comic and i loved loved the animated series version of dark phoenix so i think it can work but i think yeah it just they need more time and i think what you said is true too Devin. i i have this problem with starlet witch as well yeah yeah that yeah. when they're written as characters especially when they're written by men which is i mean almost all the time it's like oh they're these women that have time (laughs) yeah they're like these women that have too much power oops they don't know what to do and it's like can we just get like they have a lot of power but they know what to do like i don't like the whole like oh they lose control because they're too powerful even if look it's 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 it is like kind of a law of the universe that like a powerful woman like scarlet witch like um jean gray you know that they have if they have a lot the law of the universe is that like men will ultimately try to control that or suppress it or make it smaller than or you make it use work for their own purposes right like that's just something that is a reality the fact is like the the conflict comes from the fact that women shouldn't like that these characters who are so powerful should be pissed about it and they are pissed about it but the the outcome shouldn't be that they like beg for their like illicit lover to kill them like (laughs) it should be about no go fuck yourself i'm not crazy for wanting you to get off my back like that should be and it should be like more of like a you know a psychological journey right like i can be this powerful while also not being a destructive world and like sun destroyer you know what i mean right (laughs) yeah no yeah and i yeah because a lot of people really love Jean Grey and Scarlet Witch and I I understand that but my issue with them is always that like I don't like I don't like uh, yeah um there's so many (laughs) but anyway getting back getting back to getting back to X-Men The Last Stand (laughs) Uh, I am very angry about this and I will never not be angry about this (laughs) so yes we get the very stupid Morlock scene I think Brandon or Jay you both said one of you said you wanted uh to talk about that because ooh those tattoos are so stupid and the whole thing with like oh. we all have tattoos now is so dumb it's like it's supposed to be a nod to quentin choir's omega gang with like the riot at the xavier at the xavier school in like the 2001 like the grant morrison the grant morrison run an amazing run and once again this is the fourth comic book storyline we're trying to put in this movie which is this this is where it starts to get crazy so they like the size and placement of like the tattoo that's also like a clan akaba like reference as far as like power signatures so they introduce callisto as leader of the morlocks i'm cool with callisto being like an afro-latina that makes her more badass but what you don't have to do is turn her into caliban and quicksilver they gave her super speed and the ability to track mutants and know their power signatures and i was like wow we are just we are shoehorning powers on the people at this point (laughs) without any of that I can't hire another like, person, I guess. So Right. Oh. It's so weird. Like that Callisto is such a weird version of her because of that, right? It's like I I, I yeah, I don't know who was like, yeah, let's just make Callisto do because we don't need she doesn't need all of that either, right? Like for her fight with Storm, she doesn't need all that. And I feel like that's her big thing, is her fight with Storm at the end. And it's them trying to reference, oh look, you know, Storm and Callisto were like known like rivals and Storm led the Morlocks, but like 
doesn't land and it doesn't matter in this movie. Yeah, it doesn't. It does. It's not that it doesn't even matter. It's that Callisto's super speed also isn't uh like a good like it doesn't trump anything storm can do no a person who can ice the ground who can flash freeze the ground the person who can like strike you with lightning bolts it was just a very it was so weird i was and then they could just been like we can just have a caliban we can literally just have caliban be in this movie but they chose not to yeah i just like when i think it's her that says like where's your mark it's just like <laughs> so dumb um and like you said Devin, him well magneto being like oh, i've never let a needle touch me again i'm like I like yes look if you wanted to make if if we're gonna like it, it's just further muddies the thing like you magneto is right in a lot of ways i feel like <laughs> they want to be put it on a t-shirt she said it she said it he actually is on a t-shirt that, that no podcast, it's uh, like the best t-shirt <laughs> yeah. had down points. he didn't go about it the right way i don't think the answer to genocide is more genocide right. um, or reverse genocide but you know like the 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 this is the queer narrative this is also you know a, a jewish narrative everybody who you know every vulnerable group can say or can can see their own oppression in this in this metaphor but the fact is the movies don't really get it like none of the people who are making the movies are like deciding on how they were going to do it. It just ugh, the one reference to to the Holocaust just doesn't doesn't do it for me. He he did a weird thing too, where he he like went up to the group of Morlocks that were having like meet in the church, and like he like took over. He said like they've all they're going to weaponize the cure, and they're going to like they're going to kill you. And then he also didn't say I'm Magneto cuz if he just would have said I'm Magneto, <laughs> they would have like, been oh, like, yeah, "Oh." Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Why did what you Yeah, man. This is thank you for coming actually. Do you want to speak? <laughs> he like didn't even say I'm Magneto. And they all would have he didn't you just like fuck up shit on the Statue of Liberty a few years ago? Yes, we would know yes, yes. who you are. Uh so I just realized I brought us back a scene. We were actually oh. at <laughs> Wait, what is in this, this? movie. What is this? No. Days of Future jump, Past? Chill jump out. forward and scene. I know. Yeah. So Jean Grey uses her powers to take off Wolverine's belt, which is the only part of that scene I appreciate. Oh, it's she, so good. That's so good. She, She's like, no. <laughs> she leaves the mansion. They're like, oh, shit. Jean just, you know, does whatever. Um, we We go to the Grey household, which... Hands up, I'm guilty. I think this is cheating for later. This is one of the best scenes of the movie. Doesn't end well. Doesn't end how I think. Doesn't end in any good way possible. But I think it's the best scene of the movie. Um, I think the action here is like... So the the problem with this movie is I think they finally got like the biggest budget they'd ever have. It was I think it is one of the most expensive movies, X movies, I think, or it was. Um, so they can do these bigger fights. I love a big fight in a small setting. That's like my favorite kind of like superhero fight. I mean, I, you know, this podcast, we normally talk about Buffy. I love when Buffy has to fight someone in her house because I love the idea of like smashing through a table and like a couch and a kitchen table. So this works for me. Still don't think it's like great, but I think for quote unquote bigger action scenes, I like what they're doing here and the ideas. Um, of like it's you know just storm wolverine and xavier 
they're there to like try, you know, it's not going to go well, but they're there to try to like, you know, get Gene back. We know, we know that a disaster, they're heading into a disaster. Magneto is there with these random, you know, other people. Um, <laughs> and so we get this fight that I think is cool in theory. Uh, I like when Storm gets, you know, lightning bolt Callisto and Juggernaut throws. It's a very, once you think about it, it's like, well, that's stupid. But I like the visual of Juggernaut throwing Wolverine through the ceiling and he lands through it's the ceiling in the next room. That, that Juggernaut is in that house. Like, just generally <laughs> right, speaking, yeah. like, why is he inside? <laughs> and, and the rule is, Magneto says, Juggernaut, nobody gets in. Wolverine charges at the Juggernaut. <laughs> juggernaut <laughs> takes him out through the knees and he throw and the Juggernaut picks him up and throws him in the house. <laughs> At that point, I think Magneto has to utter the very early aughts famous 2000s line. It's just, yeah, him saying, you had one job. <laughs> to Like, it's so, it was, he, they got in the house and then <laughs> it was but just, at that point, Magneto's by the dishwasher, just chilling. What is gonna, look, uh, Juggernaut technically is, I mean, he's not, his hat his hat isn't made of metal his helmet isn't made of metal like what is magneto gonna do like is he really gonna nobody can stop juggernaut he's gonna do what he wants <laughs> oh she said it uh, <laughs> uh, I think you, it's this take on the juggernaut the juggernaut once again another one of those characters where if when people figure out how much magic you have to also imbue x movies with then they get mad because <laughs> like because like you want to be like oh yeah if he builds up any momentum like he can like he becomes superhumanly strong but then you look at him on the truck and you're like he's still a very big man um <laughs> the momentum part seems to be secondary because he's punching people while standing still like i don't know it's just but they wanted to have a tank but it, it's an interesting scene though also i will say because Gene's neighbors, they just have been dealing with a lot. <laughs> first, she point. fucked up all of their cars in the first scene of the movie. She, when she lifted them out of spite. The se- yeah. It's poor Stanley's water hose. This, I am and now so that's with Gene's neighbors. I am so glad that you brought this up. <laughs> and uh, Brandon, speak, Brandon, <laughs> speak on it. They have been through so much and you get a glimpse of them all running away but i just like to believe that they have like some sort of like email chain or facebook group where they're like trying to talk around the grays yeah. <laughs> um and like they're trying to be respectful they're like I, my sister my, my sister's boyfriend is a mutant it, it's not that <laughs> but it's just like I love mutants, okay the property values in this neighborhood are going down and we need to do something yeah they're all very listen i would have voted for hank a third time if i could <laughs> I think he's doing an amazing job. The up until like for the past, what is that? Like how old is Jean Grey at this point? Thirty years. Oh God, right? twenty years. Know. Yeah. So so for the past thirty years, those those neighbors have had a fucking great life, and suddenly she's back with seventeen more mutants. Oh God. To destroy everything. And then lift like, so the house off the foundation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah like this, the whole development is also very questionable. Like I understand like the fact that, you know, but it's like the picket 
and like just the fact that all the houses look this like it's like a weird it's almost like the the neighborhood is a creation of gene's mind because it's just oh yeah cookie cutter which is hilarious because two years ago she did that in i want to say x-men phoenix resurrection like she created an entire little town correct yeah um i mean dead at this point like where were they you know i wonder that right because in the dark phoenix like even in the x-men animated series they they show her parents there and they're scared but this is just like I don't know, like who who's living there now? Or her parents she's, still she's there? Like, what's going on? They're running errands. Yeah, <laughs> like, maybe yeah, they're like, like maybe uh, they left a note. Maybe they were like, "Hey, uh, you know how much we love to go upstate on certain weekends. We didn't know you were going to visit, but like, thank you for saying hey, Jean. <laughs> Please don't demolish the house. But if you do, okay." <laughs> well, how Scott? How Scott? This scene, this scene is so like one thing stands out to me in terms of like beyond the x-men universe it has burned itself into my skull and i think about it like just completely at random usually when i'm like watching some other patrick stewart thing to be fair but like that that face that he makes before disintegrating where his Mm -hmm. eyes eyelids are like flapping in the wind i know in like the creepiest way possible and he just goes well what does he say he's like it's like you have the power like you can don't let her don't don't control the power don't let it control you yeah yeah or something like that and then like that face whatever they were doing with the cg is a should be a war crime (laughs) 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 it's like his like it's like his cheeks are flapping. Yes. and it's... it's like they they had like a big like um, fan and they were just like. <laughs> yeah, the wind there doesn't make as much sense because the telekinesis would lift things and hold them up. It's not like right. a, he, he can't actively held, resist it. He's held up too. Well, yeah. There's also this thing of like, there's that moment where it pans over to that like bunch of glass and you're like, <laughs> Okay, and oh, then like, yeah. it's like it's like this glass is gonna be okay. This woman is making his skin disintegrate, and you're like, it's gonna be that glass because once this ends, the glass is going right for his face. And like I'm like, that was just like a weird thing where it's like she, it doesn't have to be about the glass. She can just rip him apart. Yeah, I mean, her Thanos dusting people before Thanos dusting was like a term. Her like salt bang everyone is. <laughs> is fun is fun and it's like definitely supposed to be to show how scary she is but it's just like a weird thing that she wouldn't do like it from a like i don't know even i don't even think that's the most effective way to maybe it is the most effective way to kill someone with your telekinesis someone on the atomic level (laughs) Yeah, I think you, she. You can. I mean, we have Mystique snapping necks with feet. Uh, Jean can like look, and like things can like be. I, don't know. I think the the whole like I actually like that in the sense that like what she's trying to do is make these things not exist. Like, oh yes, it, these things away from her, and she's not necessarily saying I want you to die a horrible death. She's. It's like it's like I need to eliminate the problem. And so that's where like the atomic 
you know, whatever that, what's yeah. that called? It's just like disintegration, right? Right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, so we get, I, like I said, I almost enjoy this scene because it's almost good. But when, so we get Magneto, the only time Magneto feels like, oh, that's a move he would make is when he's yelling for Jean not to do what he knows she's about to do. Right. I really like that because yes. that makes sense. But then once she does the thing, Magneto's like, well, it happened, whatever, and doesn't seem to give a shit. Right, right. Um, and that is such bad writing because you just wrote it that he was yelling for her not to do it. Like, they were almost there, and he, he yells for Jean, he yells for Charles. That makes sense. Like, they are, in every even in the movies moving forward, they are, like, poised as rivals who very much love each other. So there's no way, there isn't a world in which Magneto would be like, whatever. yeah. It does, like we spent three Magneto movies with these men. Be, yes, generally, especially Ian McKellen's Magneto. Like, yeah, he he has these moments of like just stone cold nothingness. Like when he leaves, when he leaves um, Mystique, and he like walks away from Charles's death. Like he is not impacted by that in any way. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> like he gets sad. He gets sad in the second movie when he has to betray the the um school remember when he's like i'm so sorry that i had to like betray you yeah like so it would he would have to be upset about this though just the fact that we like just like keep going and he's just like let's go gene hey i think he has like the one later on he has the one statement he makes to pyro about it that shows He's still he harboring say? a bunch of... He, when Pyro says, I would have killed Charles Xavier for you if I had the chance, oh, he right. goes, Charles Xavier has done more for okay. mutants than you will ever know. It's right. my one regret is that he had to die for his dream to live. So there is an element of him being aware of it, right. but yeah. I mean, but not actually he moves like, on fast. But not yeah. like third movie in a closing trilogy, important two main characters who open the freaking trilogy like right. power that it could have oh 100 percent. yeah yeah and i think same with scott same with scott just disappearing and everyone just being like okay right so then we get the funeral oh. uh i wanted to point out that the <laughs> i actually laughed out loud because iceman is holding rogue's hand and then reaches over and holds kitties <laughs> 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 it's so stupid which is once again once if 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 there is anything that's a better microcosm for people not realizing how queer the x-men is is it's bobby trying to cover his sexuality with kitty who is played by a lesbian who's out and proud but in real life but kitty in the comic book still isn't it's just is silly she- was Ellen out by 2006? No. No, she came no. out after like a, the yeah. last one, but before uh, Last Stand. Oh, okay. So she was out by that time. I think she came out after this one, right after Yeah, this I think one. it was after, after last this. this. No, it was after yeah. this one. No, because she it was after she, Last Stand, but before. She was out for, for Days of Future Past. I know that. Yeah. No, because yeah. she yeah. did, cause she did <laughs> Juno like a year after this, and she was not out then. So this was the, <gasps> she the, wasn't oh, out in Juno, oh you right. Yeah. No, no, she wasn't out until like 2010, 2011. Yeah. The only reason I know that is because, yeah, she came. I remember watching that, like, what was it, like HRC 
speech where she came out. Right. I remember watching the right. video of that sitting in my apartment in New York, and this came out when I still lived at home in New Jersey. Yeah. So that's the only reason I she know that she was Days of Future Past because, like, I mean, it, I mean, there were clues, but um, yeah, that was. I don't think she was like officially. It was one of those things where, like, it was one of those modern coming outs where she was like, "I've been out for twenty years and nobody knew." Like, kind of, kind of. Thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Funny nobody ever asked so that, everyone. Short. Yeah. <laughs> As, and and asked like, me, do you want to make this speech or not? <laughs> <laughs> so then Rogue leaves. Rogue exits the movie right. because she's going to go get the cure. Like, we don't see her. <laughs> that character, like, wh- no- nothing nothing about that feels fair. So inglorious. <sighs> no. Nope. She's in this like uh, sad DMV line looking thing for the cure. Like, it was oh, just, like, I think she has to take the bus <laughs> to get to <laughs> the. Yeah. I was just like, make this so pathetic. I can't even like. I, no. There's a lot of X Men movie time devoted to rogue traveling. On yeah. <laughs> listen, she loves public mass yeah. transit. She's very, yeah, she passionate about it. Yeah. Which I, I mean, you shouldn't. Ticket. It, I mean, that should be the last way that you want to like visit the world if you can, if people can't have skin to skin contact with you. But go off, Queen. Like it's just like, <laughs> what are you doing in this crowded bus, girl? I get that you're covered, but Rogue is having the time of her life in uh, isolation right now. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can touch anybody. Great, wonderful, love that. Storm goes to see Wolverine in his room. He's very upset. Oh, um, wait, I, we need to talk about Storm and Wolverine really quick. Um, I because earlier there's a they have a moment earlier in the movie where they like flirt a little bit, and I've created a whole thing in my head that they, <laughs> while mourning Charles Xavier, have fallen into each other's arms for an evening of, and then it never it, it's like it never happened. Um, oh it, yeah, they, it probably they did it movie together. Well, didn't didn't they cut that out of Days of Future Past? Wasn't or is it in there? I can't remember if they a cut ref- it out or not. Is there, there's a reference to it, but remember, Days of Future Past has like three different cuts because there's a Rogue yeah. cut. There was right. Rogue. Rogue was in Days of Future Past, but it didn't make it to theaters. Um, it's just a reference, probably to like the Logan and Aurora relationship in the actual Days of Future Past storyline. Everyone wants to, and then what was it like the X Men? gold whenever he was headmaster of the school they also like got together so i think you're i think you're you're like thought is what the people want people to think i just like i just want them to be like the type of like like they just text each other and they're like do you want to come to my room and then they go and they do what needs to be done and then they <laughs> room and they're Honestly, like hey, it's a stressful life we are it's going through a lot of stress relationship in the x-men universe <laughs> Like, this is a no strings situation and let them have it. I mean, that does sound ideal, right? <laughs> We're all adults at the Xavier Institute. No, We're that's totally. actually the problem. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. Um... <laughs> you no, we're not all adults. Only we're adults in this institute for children. <laughs> but so Wolverine grips her up in the doorway, which I wish you would have lightning bolt him through a fucking wall for that. Uh, and like Wolverine just needs to say that he's horny because this shit makes me mad because he's like, I still believe in her. Is Bullshit is bullshit because Storm <laughs> knew Jean longer than Wolverine did. Wolverine and her never actually had a relationship. She was with Cyclops. And I just, 
This his, is, his intentions with Gene are exhausting. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Devin. Well, no, I was going to say, like, this is the perfect embodiment of, like, the problem with Wolverine in these movies, right? Like, it's about, even when it's not about Wolverine, it's about Wolverine, right? Like, like her, the fact that they never even, what, he kissed her once and then she told him to stop? right and then right. he has this weird like make out thing last the last movie next to where like you know it's it's actually mystique like that's the extent of their relationship she has told him time and time again sorry i'm with scott i'm in a committed relationship i love scott you're hot but like this is not gonna happen but it's still she disappears and it's still about logan like come on yeah and like we said this in the first episode but like the, in the first movie like they met with him like putting his hands on her throat <laughs> like the, he yeah, like throttles right. her like right, right away right. He is so it's like it's not like this great thing also, he's like yeah. hundreds of years old at this point right <laughs> I well, he, yeah he was born like he's this. late was he early he's, he was in the civil war right yeah, he was eighteen hundreds. Early, 18, yeah. So probably like yeah, probably probably pushing two hundred. Right. Anyway, that that never actually means anything in these these stories. But like, uh, I'm so tired <laughs> so, of Logan. I know. I, I so, really am. I saw. Well, I, saw like this I gotta. Well, <laughs> the the thing that I think happened isn't. I don't know. Correlation isn't always causation. But this was also the time in Marvel Comics where he was literally in everything. And his comic titles kept expanding because of a bit of um, fan service to the X films. So there was like Wolverine. Wolverine was like on three different X teams on like a Wetworks division for an X team. (laughs) He was like on the Avengers at this point, (laughs) even though Steve Rogers was like Avengers don't kill. And he was like, yeah, Yeah, but and then. And then the best part is Steve Rogers like, well, we fought in World War II together. You guys, he's old fashioned. It's, I don't, I mean, I don't know what you want me to do. Yeah, let him on the team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there were there there was there were two times where Steve Rogers was like, Avengers don't kill, and like people were like, Steve, you gotta stop saying that. We have a lot of murderers on this team, and like so Wolverine. From about 2006 up until, I want to say 2000, and even as late as 2015, 16, Wolverine could do no wrong, and they had to kill him to to get rid of it, and they brought an old version of him back, so it's tough to get rid of him. I'm sorry, Devin. (laughs) (laughs) I just would like to have character growth that doesn't have to be bounced off of his feelings. That's all. And I do, and I just would like to see a, let's just see a, a new actor do the new actress I love. Yeah. You know, no disrespect to Hugh Jackman. I'm just, I, I was reading an Entertainment yeah. Weekly thing and they were like, they were it's like, oh, well, we maybe think that, you know, Marvel will bring back Hugh Jackman in some facet. And I was like, absolutely reboot every part of this. Oh, I don't, every I, don't want Hugh, I don't want Hugh Jackman anywhere near anything no new. Like, like he's no just, I, he's he's friends with the kushners we're not speaking right. to him anymore. Oh. yes yes he is you know what i think it's time for a canonically short wolverine yeah. a five a oh, five man. three wolverine oh, yeah. like, we need a short king we need a very short king and like i 
humbly submit myself. That I was going to say, it was played by Brandon T. Snyder. That's, that's also, like, why the fastball special works. It's funny to see, like, a, a, like a seven-foot-seven Russian metal man Jacked. pick up yeah. a five-three little knuckle puck and just like <laughs> oh, I'm I'm actually looking like that throw up him right privately. That oh that yeah, fastball special on Pornhub. It, yeah, <laughs> dang. Did you say knuckle? What was that again? Knuckle puck. Knuckle puck. He's a Canuck. Yeah, you have such a way with words. Thank you. Canuck. He, he, Puck was his teammate on Alpha Flight. It's so weird that like he was also Wolverine at one point was the second shortest member of a superhero team in Canada. Right, yeah. There's this <laughs> there is this superhero named Eugene who's just a, even shorter than Wolverine, and he's just like a little rubber ball man who can, oh who's super God. dense. His name is Puck, he's and he just, just bounces dense. off of things. He's just dense. Is that what you said? No, he's, he's, he's smart. <laughs> no, he's like he was. I get, I get you didn't mean intellectually. I meant like. <laughs> well, you heard it here first. Devin thinks Canadians are stupid. <laughs> so moving on, Whoa. Magneto declares war. Um, it doesn't matter. This movie needs to pick a plot, but it can't. Uh, Much or, I like this we... podcast, we fucking up. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> I don't know if you all noticed. I immediately was like, wait, that voice sounds familiar. There's like a sergeant who's like saying what they're doing <gasps> while the like yes, right. It's Arlie the guy who's like always the sergeant and everything the from drill instructor and like everything. Full metal jacket. That's all. He's only the voiceover in that scene. And I looked it up and his credit is voice only sergeant, which is so weird, right? Just such a bunch Maybe of choices. That's, that's like another <laughs> little bit of fan service that is like not we I don't hate it, but I do now that you're telling me, I'm like right. oh, they really <laughs> thought about doing this? Okay. No, I mean this is it's from a director who you could tell everything he every little silly idea comes into his head he thinks is real cute. Like and that that's what this is this is a movie made by a guy by a straight guy who thinks everything he's done does and says is real, real, real cute. Listen, in defense in defense of Rush Hour, I will say this about Brett okay. Ratner. He <laughs> No, I can't find it. It's not <laughs> when, when you know so well do you know when the president says hell hath no fury like a woman scorned? I was like, I bet Brett Ratner put that in there specific. Like that was like such uh, a Ratner yeah. line, like Yeah. He's real, real proud of himself for that shit. Like, he was like, oh God, I'm, I'm, make, I'm doing line. a feminism. <laughs> <laughs> so Wolver Wolverine fights in the woods. It's very clearly they're trying to rehash that moment we got in X2 where he's fighting the guards in the mansion. Does not work. Uh, he does a lot of screaming and, you know. Oh, yeah. Listen, as a person who has, like, special ops training, he gets loud so quickly. And I just <laughs> don't. He has superhuman senses. He has superhuman hearing. He should know. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm not loud. Maybe I should talk. Mm. I'm, have a I'm trying to sneak up on this group of people. Maybe I should stop screaming every time I kill someone. <laughs> but you know who we got in that moment that I really, really liked was, I, I don't know why I liked it so much, but random like random the guy that has the like wait did we yeah how to where random is chasing wolverine through the forest that's, throwing... that's the one with the, with the, the um um 
spikes coming out of his wrists. Yes, that is a that's random. technically random. That's well, random. Think, yeah, but random. In the comic books, random is like this kind of chalky, off-white, like mesomorph who can shoot protoplasmic. He can like form his hands into guns, but this they kind of like Correct. morphed him with marrow. Yes, but this but person that, shoots bones. Yes, but like I think because too, like I was very confused about it. I didn't find out it was that was uh, random till years later, but you can tell too because like they both are wearing do rags. Oh, the bandana <laughs> is yeah. what does yeah. it. Yeah, that was, I think, like, whatever, I think, when they, like, what you were saying before, to your point of, like, sort of combining mutants and, like, people just being like, well, just pick this one. Like, they chose, like, visual elements and powers, and they sort of made a little conglomerate of whoever they wanted at any given time. See, now, I thought that was supposed to be Spike from Ecstatics. No. Oh, it, people are saying it's people okay so online it is argued that that is supposed to be a nod to spike from x-men evolution the tv series so who just said that you were correct i that's yeah that's that's what i because they put him in ecstatics after that cartoon um like around the time because there's two different characters from ecstatics is like a very random comic that was I, I loved it at the time. They killed characters all the time. It was like, I think it was like a government-sponsored mutant team that always was getting murdered, um, and they had a character named Spike. Uh, and he was he was just like, he could throw his bones, um, and then he died. It was like, but they have two other characters in that, like, mutant Morlock church scene that are also from Ecstatics. Um, so I think someone... Somewhere was a fan of Ecstatics, or they just like quickly Googled some names and were like, whatever. This is um, insane. <laughs> but so we get, um, so Magneto kind of murders Wolverine. Wolverine's searching for Gene. Nothing really happens. Um, but Magneto now knows the plan or knows whatever. Um, Wolverine gives a very terrible leader speech to the X-Men about them going um, <laughs> get on their plane. So the thing I kept thinking about was, okay, so in this, in the world of the, even just the movie, so Kitty Pride, Iceman, and Colossus are all also students. The school is full of mutants that are students. Why are they the only three that they take? Like I would, if their logic was we can't take students, they're too young. Sure, but they do take students, right. but they only take three students. Yeah, I think the they question the here is, thing. yeah, are any <laughs> of the other students equity? Because SAG <laughs> has very, very specific instructions as to how much camera time and how many lines. How much? Those I mean, how are they? Were, was everyone getting the same uh, training? Like right. the same warm That's, training? That's what I'm wondering, because in the first two movies, sure, it makes sense. Like, Iceman and Rogue aren't really official X-Men. They're kind of, like, side characters who are students. But then in this movie, it's like, Mer. well, yeah, they're fine, but not the rest of them. But, like, we, I mean, we explicitly saw Siren in X2. Like, she can scream really loud, and that would be useful. Like, You so have there to has have a certain amount of credits, I think. <laughs> Maybe it's also, I think it's also whoever was in the... The training sequence in the danger room was combat ready. And they were all in the first scene, the first battle sequence in this film. It is interesting that they like, I mean, the the Blackbird going from Westchester County to San Francisco that fast is another conundrum to me. I'm like, well, well okay. Yeah. Um, can we also talk about Angel? Did he fly from San Francisco 
to the and then fly back? Like, what was his yeah. situation? Oh yeah. Oh well, because where is the? Because Angel lives in New York, but the lab was in San Fran. Yeah, there's some oh. like Angel like shows up at the at the mansion like. Hey, and I'm like, did you just fly here? Like, what is um, like, what is the time on that? Like, how fast are those wings? And they were like, oh, the schools, the schools open, and he didn't go. Wait, wait, I'm 28. I don't, I don't know. I'm not. (laughs) Do you guys have an adjunct professor position or something like a grad student, perhaps? I don't want to. They're like, no, no, no. You starting off with like 101. (laughs) Like, yeah. You can apply online, actually. Um, just go to the website. Oh, and what, it's, it's, what is this? The University of Phoenix online? <laughs> <laughs> so we get, so they're in the the Blackbird. They're we see their faces. We get a really embarrassing close up of Colossus looking worried, but actually just looking constipated. They fly. They get there. That's how uh, Russians express themselves. <laughs> Chill out. <Ian. laughs> I'm a problem. Uh, so. It's another, like, I noticed this, I mean, Adam, you said this at the top of the episode, it is wild that this is our big battle, this is our third movie, we have a full X-Men team, we have a full Brotherhood of Mutants team, yet none of, almost none of these people, it's like two to three on each side were in previous movies. All the rest of them have had zero, like... Maybe it's like zero character development, a little bit over zero. Yeah, like, it's <laughs> just, because it's like, when you do a trilogy, what you're hoping for is a catharsis to some shit you've been building up the whole time. <laughs> Not, all right, well, we're just going to grab them in. You know, like, oh, we're going to, like, bump off two of the biggest, like, it just, I, I, it's, whew, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> it's just one of these things where, like, I hated the shit out of this movie when I saw it in 2006. Haven't seen it since. Hated the shit out of it last night. <laughs> and I can't, like, I'm telling you, like, I'm uh if if people love parts of it great i i like find the parts that are even slightly good slightly like oh they accidentally found a great scene i find it all like very um very accidental you're right i very just like i'm like yeah it would have been great had they done that had they done like i mean i pretty much like it's one of those like a broken clock is right twice a day things where i'm just like well it's pretty hard to like have no interesting scenes at all with like this sort of thing so um so that's that's my opinion so so (laughs) they go into battle magneto says oh and just the pawns go first which like shores your mind wait 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 Um, wait 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 wait. we have to back up because we did not we can't back up oh yeah go ahead (laughs) the moment that changed the way that i looked at film okay so we have this big spectacle with the bridge right we have the big and it's like oh my gosh this is crazy and we have this woman, first of all, the, the moment where like a lady locks her car door and Magneto smiles where I'm like, okay, that's enough. But here is the issue that I have. So the bridge thing happens, it comes down and all of a sudden it is the dead of night. Oh, yeah. From a light dusk to pitch fucking black. And that is when I was like, this Can is like a major issue to, uh, to I- Storm. Yeah, I don't I don't know how Pacific sunsets work. I'm not gonna judge. <laughs> I'm just gonna that. say 
That's it, like, took me out. <laughs> At one point, she does bring in fog, and today, when I rewatched it, I was like, well, there is a lot of fog in San Francisco. I mean, this is probably pretty... <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. No, you will not justify the fog. I, like, I, like, literally, I remember watching it in the theater, and I was like, wait, it's, it's completely... Like, what? Like, this... Like nobody caught this. Nobody's like, we need to just work on that transition. They're like, people don't give a shit. Just do it. Make it dark. And that makes it feel so like Ed Wood. Like I'm like, did anybody stop for a second and think like a little bit about like the transitions you, and the this? Okay. And why are you guys making me defend this movie so much? Because <laughs> I don't <laughs> think no, this was going to happen. I don't think anyone thinks when they say we're making an X-Men movie and then someone says, Oh yeah, yeah, but that director you got for the first two, can he do Superman first? And they go, No, 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 we can make it without him. Like they stopped <laughs> thinking at that point. There were no thoughts <laughs> after it. <laughs> But like there is a lady, like there is like a somebody has a clipboard somewhere on set, or somebody that's just like you know we're gonna need to patch this together to make it like like no like it just went so overlooked that that is continuity people like that's like a job it's yeah job (laughs) and and then this doesn't even go into the fact that once they're on the bridge every mutant can fly or jump and they're just like landing with no injuries and i'm like this is now suddenly all there were like, like so the many world. like there were so many people that were either a knoll or toad there was one person who teleported who like i was like oh they teleported but i was like is that was that the teleportation budget for the film because there was just that one was person <laughs> right teleported a little bit <laughs> And when Magneto <laughs> told him to go. And I was like, that person seems important. Maybe, like, hold them back for a second. I did like, however, we get at least one Arclight moment, who, whatever, for Arclight. But it was nice because I was like, ooh, a butch lesbian. Like, nice. Here we go. And then she did her shockwave thing. That was kind of exciting. Arclight's, Arclight's troubling because she, in the comic books, was part of the Marauder. So she was part of a team that actually murdered the Morlocks for being genetically inferior. So she was oh, part of like this kill squad that like assaulted them. And she's like a buff lady with shockwave powers, but also just like a bad person, like a bad, bad person. A horrible person. You know, I can remember when this movie came out, I, and like, I, especially at this time, considered myself like an X-Men academic. I was like, well, that character's made up for the movie. Like, I <laughs> literally had never heard of that character before. And I had an argument with a friend where he was like, no, she's in the comics. I was like, no, she's not. I know better than you. And oh boy, was I wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so they have their big fight. Um, we get the Iceman Pyro fight, which... It's the, I mean, it's literally one of the only things that's like been emotionally set up in any way, like for this movie. But it right. did work. And yeah. kind of, I mean, kind of sexual, y'all. I'm going to say fire um, and ice. The show Killjoys, any of you? I have not. You need to see it. Okay. So it's the other Ashmore twin, Sean. Oh. <laughs> Sean Ashmore is the one in this one, and then this is Aaron Ashmore is in the. In, in Jay. Aaron Ashmore is the superior actor in almost <laughs> every single way actually not almost every single possible way so to go back and watch sean ashmore do this again it's very disappointing <laughs> do this again do, I mean, this i again. have to watch it again watch him do this. 
the the only thing I I, I put in my notes was uh, beautiful effects, great CGI. Like that's like <laughs> literally the only thing that like I can say that's like beautiful. Okay, effects. sure. You know what was really also disappointing is the soundtrack. Like I'm a huge fan of like movie soundtracks and co- especially comic book movie soundtracks because I've often like written to them like the, the the good ones like and the first two had really solid themes and then X3 just had like outside of the like Professor X death scene which I thought the music was kind of eerie and interesting like the rest of it was not it didn't incorporate the X-Men theme like it was just very bland like action movie to me oh sure Oh, 100%. My biggest my biggest complaint is that I don't maybe it'll happen now. We we'll, I don't ever think we'll get a nod to uh the animated theme song in a battle sequence, which is like so weird. Like the Avengers have like a recognizable theme from a score standpoint. So I I'm excited to see what they attempt to do over the next 10 years with the property that they've bought. Absolutely. I'm like excited to get some like x-men because i i think they would like making a theme of a, like a score that is like specifically for the x-men i think is really just cool yeah and you know what i think the mcu does that pretty well yeah here's my my uh i guess my defense of these movies uh, yeah that's right my- Devin. <laughs> 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 no, because I think about that. I think a lot about the fact that they're, you know, the next decade or whatever is going to be- belong to Disney. And like this era of movie is, I'm going to like, it's going to, I'm going to look back on this fondly because it's just like, it is a mess. But like the, the Disney X Men movies are going to be so tight. It's going to be impossible to like, it's just like, yeah, it's good. They lobbed a billion dollars at it. Of course it's good. It was, there's not a whole lot of like room for like risk you know what i mean oh I can see that. So, so you're telling me the next villain is going to be capitalism <laughs> <laughs> could you could you say that again and louder <laughs> well i mean they're definitely gonna get less queer vibing Oh, of course. Oh, I mean, no. I don't know. I think they're going to get more queer. I'm, I'm going to push listen, back. They're I, gonna, I hope. I hope. But I think that I think the one thing, because it's the only team they can do that with, they can't do it with the Fantastic Four. They were they were never going to do it with the Avengers because the Avengers are what? Fucking cops. And so the, <laughs> X-Men, the X-Men are the only team where it's like, well, I mean, okay, so... When everyone else was looking at girls, you were creating ice sculptures. <laughs> Organically. Do you think that, like, Disney is going to be, like, at this at that point, maybe they'll be a little bit closer to that kind of thing. But I just, like, they are so... I think, but they did, like, an okay job with the Runaways as far as being able okay. to tell okay. queerer storylines yeah. with teenagers. I think yeah. because the pushback now will be, like, whenever there's, because if Fox News is like, I can't believe they made the once very straight X-Men into these, like, queer people, <laughs> then every X-Fan is going to be like, girl, <laughs> get ready. <laughs> I I do think at the very least they'll keep the metaphor. Yeah, right. That's I mean but, that's going to be what. And you can't, you can't get rid of the metaphor. Right, right. Um, they love I, a metaphor, though. 
but I mean, in this movie, they do. They totally get rid of the metaphor. Um, but so I quickly will, so we can wrap up here. Uh, what? Yeah, what happens in this movie? <laughs> so <laughs> Angel, a character we'd completely forgotten about, <laughs> swoops in to save his father from the rooftop. Oh and my who God. cares? No, Angel saving <laughs> his dad in an ugly peacoat from Quill and, and not Psylocke, Tommy was just such a weird thing. It was so weird because as a as a person watching the movie, I wanted Warren Warrington II to die. I was like, he can, I don't care. Let him die. <laughs> There's no redeeming quality to that dude's dad at all. I was like, no, he can die. It's the same thing that we were talking about earlier about how Brett Ratner thinks he's really, really smart. <laughs> he's like, right, what yeah. if, but what if he like saves him in the end? He's like, aren't you glad you didn't, kill me <laughs> or aren't you glad you didn't like get rid of my wings before yeah, it's a no. very like, gotcha moment yeah it, <laughs> literally um, <laughs> <laughs> but also i want warren to be a billionaire and he needs to kill his dad for that to happen so let Correct. him die i don't I'm not care sure. yeah yeah i'm down <laughs> So then Beast, I, this is like a, you know, a moment I enjoy. Beast jumps in and Wolverine's like, I thought you were a pacifist. And he's like, as Churchill said. And then he like joins the fight and he's like, ah, you got the point. I, I, that that was a great Beast moment. Once yeah. again, perfect fan casting for Beast as Kelsey Grimm. So good. Yeah. I Adam, as you've often said about some other properties that sometimes make a good movie uh-huh. they like stumbled into a good That's they the stumbled thing. into this good because like this is one of those things where like you have a character that is very finely drawn like there is a clear set of yeah. rules as we will then apparently not see in the first class era where it was just like yeah hot, hot twink <laughs> dork glasses on like uh, you're getting nana started again um but yeah no so i mean this is one of those things where like they stumbled into something great Kelsey Graham is great in like prime fraser like killed people with yeah. this, with blue feet like some crazy stuff, like fraser, drag. And fraser drag yeah um and it was one of those things where like there was such a clearly defined like you know as jay said like like fan service call to action that they were like do this put this guy in this thing have him say this like that was sort of and that, this is one of the things where like it it did work out it did work out um d- does it mesh with the rest of it absolutely not but um but he, and he's like part of an older team there's like a but there's so many because that means that beast was at the school long enough to leave and like right no one acknowledges it's so it's so it's i love it but where was you're right and all that yeah so then uh, kitty pride goes in to save our deus ex machina the little child that is i think Jay, Brandon, you guys can probably that character's just made up, right? No, Leech is real. Leech was wait, in... he's supposed to be Leech. Yeah, Leech was in the animated series and in the comics a lot. Artie, yeah, Artie and Leech are characters that I think they first appeared in X Factor. Yes, so... okay. I made I made the mistake of asking the two of you because yes, I know who Artie and Leech are. I didn't know that the I thought this little boy was just like his power was that like you lost your power. I didn't think he was supposed to be Leech. Oh no! So he was t- he's supposed to be Leech, and 
then the Artie is because Artie and Leech are best friends, but Artie's a mute. So they just wanted to give him like a real name. And Leech is a member of the Morlocks. He And in the comics and in the anime series, he's a little green boy that loves wearing a beanie. Yeah. Because oh. he was part of Generation X for a while, too. Right. So um, Kitty pregnant but, to okay. get boy 11. And... <laughs> <laughs> Um, I I think, like I said before, I, I the only reason she works is because Ellen Page is very charming. Um, I I like what's going on there. I don't love the I'm the juggernaut bitch reference to like like that instantly dates it. Like who remember even remembers that? I mean, we do. It was you know 2006, like, no. and yes, we all remembered it. Okay, well, we all remember. <laughs> but it's also just like, man, if that was like if that wasn't the dead last person, I would have had him say I'm the juggernaut bitch too. Right. Oh yeah. To this, uh, <laughs> like, that, that, that to anybody oh, else in battle. Like in retrospect. But, <laughs> oh. but so I like when she calls him a dickhead because it doesn't. It, I, I like that it's not. A, it's just like she's just calling him a dickhead, and she is not. She's not really like stressed by him. She's kind of like fuck you, dude. Like she's not well, because she knows what really happens when he gets yeah. to leech, right? And I, I really like that. I, I like love her confidence i love her confidence level there um we get storm murders callisto by throwing her on that <laughs> fence thing gene does nothing gene gray barely has lines for the last for because the last hour of the movie gene is an object at this point gene's not a person anymore <laughs> Uh, don't you yeah. remember earlier when she said i don't want to fix it well guess what bitch <laughs> Get <laughs> not me. Killing me, Logan. Ah, like, come uh, the fuck on. <laughs> Couldn't he have just slapped her in the face and said, get a grip? Like, <laughs> that's I would like have a, it. There's like a weird theme, though, of also in comics, and I guess now in the movie, of people wanting to, like, see logan as a character either see him have to kill the woman he loves or like watch him like helplessly like be watch tied up with some yeah it's like a weird fascination that's been going on since like the 80s where people are like oh this is bad any any woman who's like i kind of like that wolverine guy we're like girl let's introduce you to someone else because uh <laughs> that's not a good match for you Right, and plus, like, I just think it's just like it's just lazy writing because it's just there's that you set up this giant like oh my god power energy how are you gonna stop it like it's like the the first thing anybody could think of would be uh Wolverine stabs her like and it just seems like it's it's not surprising you're just like waiting for it to happen you're waiting like right. there's no clever way out of it or anything. And the thing, the thing is with with Wolverine, and like it's it's interesting that this is like a, a recurring theme for Wolverine that he has to like kill the woman he loves or like watch the woman he loves die. Like that's the only way that character gets to have feelings is when there's a woman in the vicinity, right? Like when there's a woman in the vicinity who needs him, or uh, you know he has to engage with to have any sort of emotional growth. Right, like he's crying when he like stabs her. He says, "I love you." Like, what? You don't love her. You barely know her. Like, you fucked <laughs> her out. Like, I just, oh my god. There's nothing, nothing about that. Devin, in his defense, much later on in the comic books, he drowns his own son in a shallow pool, and he kind of. <laughs> 
<laughs> so he can't have a, he does he ever go to therapy in the comic? Yes, there no, is. claws are therapy. Where he actually meets with a I think Dr. Lefkowitz is uh the character's name. He this up. Very, it's I think it's uh the six issue miniseries i really thought you were like i was like oh i've never heard of this comedy yeah, i want to make the shit out of this honestly somebody needs to make a comic like just like a web comic about wolverine going through his issues and like he doesn't there's have to like, kill people in order to grow like i think there's also like this weird obsession with and this happened around this movie is that then people were like oh I'm Wolverine, and like now there's a there's a what? large generation of men that are like, oh no no toxic no, no. masculine. That's oh my god, me. But no. see, they don't even think yeah. it's toxic because there are virtuous elements to him being like, oh, I love this woman. I got, I have to kill her. It's like so. <laughs> it's what they spoon fed us because it's oh, it's. There's <laughs> nothing not toxic about that. It's the guys that are like, well, you listen, I'm not some chauvinist violence like I junkie. <laughs> I don't like the Punisher. I like Wolverine. And it's like, oh. Yes, that is actually it. It is those guys. They point out the, I'm like, seriously, they point out the Punisher and they're like, that guy's crazy, but not me. <laughs> Snicked. <laughs> but not me. Uh, so he kills Jean Grey. It's fucking stupid. Everything falls flat. There's like, I, I, I was annoyed watching this end. I feel like the movie starts off bad and gets worse as we go. Uh, Jean Grey disintegrates so many people and it makes no sense that the X-Men don't also get disintegrated. Like we see that Psylocke, that other dude, we see these characters run out of the building and she disintegrates them, but yet all of the X-Men and Magneto, they're good. Everyone, I'm not, the disintegration thing seems right to me. It really does. And I think... (laughs) You know, the fact that there aren't any X-Men that are getting disintegrated, like, maybe there's something in Jean's mind that's, like, that is protecting them or whatever the fuck it is. But, like, I just want to see the disintegration mean something to Jean. Because it doesn't, right? It doesn't, like... like, I want to see that further her thing. Like, how do we, how do we all prefer, how would we have preferred this to end? I'm opening it up to the floor. I would have wanted to see... Logan stab her, but it doesn't work. And then she brushes him off. She flies up. She disintegrates. She's ex- she explodes. And then we realize once again, this is what always happens with Jean. They're like, oh, wait a second. Jean's not dead. And then there's like a Jean, a, a cocoon in like the bottom of Alkali Lake. And she wakes up and she's like, where's Scott? And it's just like, if you mean at the if you if at the end of the film that we've already made, if we're like going yeah. from the beginning, yeah. if it's just yeah. the end, if the end's the only thing I can change, don't have Logan kill her because he doesn't because like Devin's saying, he doesn't have that power. She's right. still powerful. Right. And she and the, just the fact that she like he's he's like trudging towards her, right? And like his skin is coming off. Like what there's nothing about that, the way that she has disintegrated people up until that point that says that she couldn't just disintegrate him immediately like it doesn't take a long time why he can't that's why she can it's love but she's (laughs) no she's horny she's still horny enough to be like maybe she is so horny in the middle of all this 
but maybe. Um. <laughs> so the I I want you all to know. So you know, we find out Rogue gets cured because there's no metaphor anymore. Um. We in this the, in and, in one version of the cut. What do you mean? Yeah, she does. Isn't there like a version where she doesn't get cured? Oh right, I, I remember seeing some like deleted scene. There's like they always would do like the they would always do this with Rogue. Yeah, I think there's a version where she doesn't take the cure. Hmm. Oh God, right. can you can you well, imagine being Rogue and like doing this for Bobby? Hold <laughs> like, uh, 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 on. Well, Sookie Sackhouse is about to yes. make some even stupider decisions <laughs> oh. <laughs> over the next six years. I mean, you so I don't know. A show that killed characters oh off screen on ceremony. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to talk about it. I, can't. I want you all to know. I yelled, "Oh God!" When we saw Magneto sitting <laughs> at the chess table and like with his little hand. Oh, with his like, old man flat cap on. Oh, like God. as though, as though he is like so unbelievably. Like rendered penniless at the same time as he's rendered normal. <laughs> right. What right. happens to him that he is now impoverished? He was wearing right. like and darkly like, rich purple leather capes, whoosh stuff, and like just because he doesn't have the metal powers anymore, he doesn't have to like abandon his fashion. He's like putting on a cap. He actually has a friend in San Francisco, guys, that he stays with sometimes. It's a kind of a long story. Oh, my lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ooh, we should talk about, so the X-Men did move to San Francisco during, uh, after the X-Mansion exploded. I think, like, during the Dark Reign, they were, like, the, dur- the your Utopia era, years. Actually, your knowledge Utopia of era. history is amazing, and I just want to say I'm really So impressed. they ended up going to San Francisco. So this film predates that, but it is part of the reason why the X-Men like have a connection to like an inherently queer space in Alcatraz, but it was a different island. But they um they did go to San Francisco. And I think that like the the chess piece moving at the end is sort of I'll say this. This is I like I like conspiracy theories. Christopher oh, Nolan <laughs> stole that at the end of Inception. I'm just saying this. Because did the chess piece move move or did it not move? A bridge too far. Did you say that was the Golden Gate Bridge too far? (laughs) (laughs) He was the audience scribbling on a notepad. He's like, hold on. Got an idea. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was that definitely happened at like 11.59. He was like, whoa, okay, one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. He's like, I'm in (laughs) pre-production on Dark Knight. I really need to be seeing Last Stand right now. <laughs> to get some juices flowing creatively, yeah, really great. No, he was like, I want to see what not to do, so let me just. Uh... <laughs> so then we get the mid credit scene of oh, Xavier put his body into that of this. <sighs> I had stormed out of the theater by that point. I, I was, I it was like years before I, I heard that there was a, a credit scene that did not, and I was like, well, then that never came to be. So. We were naive back then. We did, we did get a canonically Irish Moira McTaggart, though. We did, yes. Yeah. God love her. Oh my and God. then we just drop that accent once we get Roseburn, which, whatever. I, You know what? I welcome a dropped accent if it's just going to be cartoony. Yeah. 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 I mean, cartoon like is scr- great, but that kind of thing is... Ugh. Yeah. Um, all right. Now that we've finished discussing this wonderful film, um, I'm going to have you all... What's your favorite scene? Uh, Devin, go first. No, don't make me go first. <laughs> make somebody else go first. 
All right. Uh, Jay, do you want to go first? Oh, yeah, I can go first. I've, okay, so I've talked about this, and I'll say it again. I love just, like, stupid, stupid parts of these movies because I enjoy them for what they are worth. And my favorite scene, because it is so bad, is the... I mean, this is terrible Generation 1 CGI. Whenever uh, Wolverine is cutting off the man's baloney arms, and they look like baloney right. slices. <laughs> they do. It's so bad. And the way that Logan takes him out of the fight is he kicks him in the nuts. He uses his adamantium shin to destroy this man's testicles. Uh, so, because even when he, the guy, his arms get cut off and like, then like, you can see that like he's growing them back. But they're like a different, they're like motion captured at a different point yeah. too. Like it's so bad in spots. And then he's like, come on, keep fighting me. And his arms are still small. So I'll just say the the terrible arm man, baloney arm CGI fight is my, is very funny to me. Baloney arm, really? That's really actually He's the, uh, sort of the flailing arm inflatable tube, man. Uh Adam, what's your Adam? What's your favorite scene? Oh, you're asking me my favorite scene in X Men: The Last Stand. <laughs> I'm stalling for time with my voice until I can think of something. Um, probably, um, probably, the, probably the Kelsey Grammer Beast stuff. I mean, it's just those scenes seem to be a nice little Fair. breath of fresh air in a in an enclosed for 7,000 years Egyptian tomb of not fresh air that this movie is. No, we cannot talk about Apocalypse. Ooh, I, did I leave a little Easter egg at the end of this podcast oh. for the next oh. Oh. So my favorite scene is the fight scene in the Grey House. I mean, I hate the way it ends, but I think it's the best fight scene where it's like, ooh, they have the, they have the budget here. We're doing things. Um, Brandon, what's your favorite scene? I would say my favorite scene is the the fight in the house um, because I like, I mean, one thing about this movie is like nothing breathes. Like if you look at the other two movies, it's like there's room for things. Yeah. And I mean, um, here it's like, boom, boom, boom. And you're like, wait, what? And even though like the professor dying is was something where I kind of had to be like, is this real? Like, is he coming back in 15 minutes? Like, what is this about? I felt like I really like, I like when there's like matchups. So it's like, you know, Wolverine versus Juggernaut and Storm versus Callisto. Like, I liked that sort of fight stuff while this other major moment was happening. Um, yeah. And I also really, it always was kind of weird to me when Magneto was on the ground and we're near the sink and you see how cumbersome his costume is because he's like <laughs> and i was like oh poor guy because like you're always seeing him you always see him like standing with like uh you know his like girdle or whatever on and then you when you see him in that other thing i was like oh he's very vulnerable right now and that's it <laughs> i love that <laughs> i love it uh devin okay, did you come up with a favorite scene i have i have one honorable mention that i feel like we should have we should have brought up earlier but so just um what's this called um I, I forget the actual the mutant's name but the one who surprised eric dane oh multiple, multiple men yeah men. <laughs> the fact that like this is 2006 like wasn't he already on grays at that point i was oh, wondering that i'm not positive. no like, very like, very yeah. hot eric dane right what in, in Last Dance? Yes. 
yeah yeah he's very hot and surprised like there he is in like whatever was this um, also think- the eric dane i'm sorry was this also the eric dane that was like getting into like trouble around that time i, don't I mean he was arrested for robbing seven banks all at one time what? he had <laughs> he was with rebecca gayhart and there was like some other naughty behaviors happening you'll have to google it i'm not going to oh, get into it, but, into it. Um, but my actual favorite scene i'm gonna i'm gonna go with the uh the um the mansion uh hospital room where with the um uh gene like telekinesis is <laughs> logan's belt off and she just yeah. she's just like exactly in the the purest form saying i want what i want and i want it right now and fuck you if you're not going to give it to me. <laughs> they did have like agency in that moment. Yeah. And like, it was a very fun little, like, I don't know. It was a like, nice little spicy moment in a movie full of, um, yeah, full of, full of rice, you know? Full of not full fun. Of um, okay. Porridge, I so, guess. So, so now we're going to grade the movie. Um, and Adam and I have already graded the previous two on the other episodes. We gave them, I think we gave them both A's or B's, um, right, Adam? We had said, like, because like, there was a lot of, like, nostalgia around the first one. So I was like, oh, A plus when I first saw it. But, like, literally, like, C plus, B minus for now. Right. But, so... um taking that consideration um i'm gonna go ahead and give this movie a d uh adam what grade do you give it f for fart <laughs> jay what grade do you give it i give it a c minus okay uh devin yeah i was gonna say c minus as well just because not because it is a movie that is worth a c minus i think the movie deserves to pass oh it's a pass to pass fail yes um, i think that it had it had uh Oh yeah, I definitely don't want to take this movie again. No, 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 it's getting bad. I think that there's, there's, you know, like several like things that could have gone really well. Like it set it up and then just shat the bed and didn't. The execution was just horrible. So, yeah, fair. Uh, Brandon, I agree with Devin. Uh, I would say C minus slash pass. You need to do more homework and you need to. Uh, I would yes. Yeah. This is a student that like uh, is crying, but not the right. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Oh. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. If you uh, like Slayer Fest '98, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and other places podcasts are found. You can support us on Patreon, which help which helps keep the podcast going. You can find us on social media at Slayer Fest X '98 on all platforms. And if you want to follow me, I am at Ian X Carlos on all social platforms. Adam, where can everyone find you? Everyone can find me on Twitter at the Adam Sass on Instagram at it's Adam Sass, and you can pre-order my book uh, "Surrender Your Sons," which is coming out September fifteenth. Uh, Devin, where can everyone find you? Oh God, I guess you can still find me on the internet. Um, I'm at a Dynamo Fire <laughs> on both Instagram and Twitter. I'm um, not that interesting on on Instagram though. Don't undersell yourself. I would like to. Um, I would like to be offline. <laughs> yeah, this, we are encouraging a offline exodus, hardcore right now. Uh, Jay, where can everyone find you? Uh, everyone can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jay Jordan, just J A Y J U R D E N. Uh, I don't know. Buy my album. It's out. It's Ooh. fun. It's called Jay Jordan, y'all. Yeah. And Brandon, where can everyone find you? 
I am at Brandon T. Snyder on Twitter and Instagram, and my website is cootiekid.com. And I'll be reluctantly in all those places. <laughs> all right, guys. And <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye.